This is The Straight Dope, episode 14. I'm going to continue the conversational style podcast just for some more feedback. I did get some good feedback, and some people like this, and some people like the more formal style. It's just fun to, to experiment, so I'm going to continue to do that. <clears throat> In conversation, sometimes it's hard to describe levels, and I often use um, the spicy scale, and so I'm going to use the spicy scale for wind. And the, the way that goes is mild, medium, hot, tie hot. And uh, some people say crawl, walk, run, you know, however you want to describe it. We're talking about the elementary, like, you know, kindergarten level wind, which is mild. And the way I see it is a little bit different than places that I've looked. And I've read all the Brian Litz books, the wind book for rifle shooting, Frank Galley's ebook on wind. I've listened to all Emil Praslick's books. Uh, podcasts and and I still think that the easiest thing for me is to think about full value wins at the ground level and so that that's where I'm going to kick this thing off when I envision wind I kind of think of a surfer paddling into shore with some sort of a current and if somebody's standing on the beach and they're paddling in towards you you can see them drifting left or right and they're influenced by the medium that they're in and bullets do that too and at first I think it helps to understand full value so this conversation again is full value wind three o'clock nine o'clock if we measure wind angle what we're going to do is convert it back to full value wind because we're trying to build a base from which we have a good solid reference that we can use so you've got a gun and a ballistic calculator. So the first thing I think we need to do is what was mentioned in prior podcasts is figure out your wind number. The wind number is, you know, pick a yardage. If it's a small caliber, it's not going to be that far, right? Three, four, five hundred yards. And start adding wind from the three or five o'clock without spin drift in it. And you'll get to a number where the yardage matches up with the wind if you're using a mill scope. So my two, two, three is um, right between a four and a five mile an hour wind. And so let's just say it's a five mile an hour gun. At 500 yards, five miles an hour is going to be 0.5 wind from the right and for the left. Thinking about it in terms of wind number, for me, helps a lot. Other people do all sorts of calculations. Um, You could figure out what your five mile an hour wind, your 10 mile an hour wind, and you can split it and cut it. To me, that doesn't really matter because you're going to have that recorded. But the point is, you're going to have a way, you're going to have to have a way, either a written table or understanding how the gun number works so that you can correct for the wind deflection at different yardages. In my evolution, I've gone from having 5, 10, 15 brackets, 5, 10, 15, 20 brackets. Uh, those scale pretty linearly. So once you have one or a division of you know, 5 and 10, you can multiply them and divide them. But I've, got, I've moved away from that method and just gone to the gun number. And for me, you know, in the way my mind thinks, that tends to be able to access and adjust very quickly without having a lot of stuff written down. If I know the yardage, I can adjust and know the wind mile per hour. But w- whatever it is, you, you need to get that and know that or have a, a wind table handy. And if you don't have one and you want to write it down, I'm going to refer to throughout the podcasts that cover the various levels. I'm going to refer to a sheet that you can find on snipershide.com. Snipers Hide gets a lot of shit, but it's actually an amazing and valuable resource for information if you go looking for it. 
and you don't read some of the trolling stuff that goes on there. And Frank's done an amazing job. He's got an app now for your phone. He's got live TV coming out and a, a humongous resource of information. And one of those really cool pieces of information out there was put on by a guy named Ted, and he was interviewed on Frank's podcast pretty recently. I met him down in Texas, and he's a very smart guy. He teaches beginners, and he put together a modified windrose. He goes by Jack Master, and I'm not sure why that is his call sign, but anyway, if you Google Jack Master modified windrose, you'll get a sheet, and that sheet not only gives you a table that you can put in your drop and wind. And and for this, you can put in, you know, he does the 5, 10 mile an hour bracket thing, but you'll what you'll see is this wind rose, this circle that has a bunch of numbers in it. And I think that that's a tremendous resource. And I'm going to refer back to that through the levels of wind. And as we get to higher levels, I'm going to bring in experts and interview them, at, well, ask them questions. It's not going to be long-winded. I'm going to ask them specific questions and then try to correlate that back to your ability to use that wind speed rose. I cut the wind rose out and got a cheap self-laminator, kind of like, um, you know, it's almost like super fat tape where you can just tape it on, and then I just carry around a little wind rose um, as a little um, life hack for wind. You, you print out that wind rose, and then you could even use packing tape. Just tape it up and then cut it out, and you have a nice little uh, tool that can, can do a lot of actual fancy things. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end as I kind of prime you for the medium level. I've been training the wind now for years because it's probably one of the hardest things that you can get comfortable with. And I feel like my wind reading and my ability to get first round impacts has increased substantially. And the way I did that was starting to adopt the wind number method and shooting at the distance of my gun's wind number. So just for now, let's say it's a five mile an hour gun and I go out and I put a plate that's maybe double my wind number at 500 yards. The reason I pick the distance that corresponds to the wind number is that a tenth is a mile an hour of wind. So I judge the wind and I take a shot and to center measure the deviation left and right that the bullet impacted. And then I know I was off by that many miles an hour. Now, some of you are definitely going to jump in and say the angle might have been wrong, and that's where the largest amount of error is going to come in. And I think that's true. But for now, you can judge the mile-an-hour effect of the wind on the bullet by shooting at that and then measuring with your reticle. And with those subtensions, that makes it pretty easy to do. Getting down to the one mile an hour level is the goal because, you know, Brian Litt said, well, you know, the, the top shooters can judge the wind to one mile an hour. Those shooters are doing disciplines that aren't quite as popular because they're restricted to using their own wind calls, but they're able to perform at that one mile an hour level. So that's the aspiration uh, that, that, that I'm kind of going for. Now, I'm lucky because I can go out and go to public land, put up targets at a distance, and then circle them and take shots from different directions to have that first round impact on a target in different conditions and record the effect. But once you know a wind number in general, if you go to a range that has steel out at distance, you're largely going to be shooting the same direction. You can only take, 
you know, one shot every so often unless the wind conditions change and get good feedback on your ability to judge the wind. And so I leave because I don't, I, I tend not to shoot repetitively at distance. I like to do that at paper at 100. Once you get the feedback on your ability to read the miles per hour using whatever method you're using, one of the best ways to tune that is to tune the angle that the wind's coming in because as the wind changes from 3 and 9 o'clock, so does the percent drift that's occurring. And you can use the cosine of the angle, but there are lots of methods to just plug that into a calculator. If you've got a Kestrel or you've got um, that Windrose that I mentioned, you can look at that um, Emil talks about like a very easy 25, 50, 75, 90, 95, 100 method with angles. I'm not going to go into that, but you can Google it and listen to that. But there, there are ways to generalize that from your full value hold such that, you know, if it's coming at 3 or 9 o'clock and there's like 30 minutes to an hour on a clock um, difference, then you're going to go... Every 15 degrees, 95, 90, 75, 50, 25, 0, and the variations in between. You can also do it using the wind speed rows that Jack Master has. It's got the numbers put in there, and it'll basically take your hold and do that for you just as a quick glimpsing reference. And when you're on a clock or time is important, sometimes it's hard to think extremely clearly and that takes a lot of practice to take your available attention and divert it to necessary activities it and the the way to make that easier is time on task and so you have to go out and you actually have to do it there's no way to substitute time and training and field experience and that's where knowing what you're going to need to pay attention to is important because if you're paying attention to things that aren't important you get good at those things that aren't important the trick that I really like about the Jack Master Windrose is that although he's he has laid in there um, the numbers for actual corrected miles per hour on the angle, those values correspond to holds too. So I actually use them as a decimal rather than the miles per hour because you kind of know the miles per hour that's happening. And here in Colorado, we've got winds regularly over 25 miles an hour. And so the distances we're shooting, it's very common to have one, two, two and a half mil holds. And so if you look at that Jack Master Rose, you'll see that he's got, you know, at nine and three, and he also has at 12 and six, although that would be, technically that would be zero. Um, they're a quick flash reference. If I'm holding two mils, I go to that 20 line and two mils, if I go left or right one, that would be half a mil. If I go out one from that instead of 10, it would be one mil. If I go out from that, 1.4 mils. And so rather than miles per hour, I just use that as a decimal relation to what's my wind hold. You know, I'm planning on holding 1.2 mils. That's halfway between 10 and 15. Now I'm going to go out because of an angle. And let's say it's at 45 degrees. That's 0.7 or 1.1, where it says 7 and 11. And so, you know, I'm going to say, um, you know, it's going to be 0.9 because it's kind of halfway in between and then wins that fast. Remember, this is an initial wind call, and then you're going to look for your impact on the plate and make a correction to the actual 
wind speed because you're going to believe the bullet, right? This is saying, I'm going to make a first guess. So let's say, uh, you know, I'm going to hold two mils. So I go to the 20, I go right that at 40, at, at, at 45 degrees, uh, that's going to be 1.4 mils. I don't know if that's exactly true. I shoot, I hit the plate, but I hit it on one of the edges. So that's going to be more or less wind. And then I'm going to take that hold as a percentage of my distance because of my wind number, and I'm going to apply that to the other targets because now I know what happened to the bullet as it was traveling. And because of my wind number, uh, I'm able to adjust the percentage that it was of the wind number and apply that very fast to the targets because when you're shooting at things, you absolutely have to know the range that they're at. And because you know the range, you should be able to convert that to a percent hold of the wind number immediately. But these wind rose corrections for your initial shot make it very fast. And that's the trick that I use with this Jackmaster wind rose. Rather than looking at wind speed, I take my initial hold value as a full value wind and then I convert it using that to an angle adjusted hold. Then I know, and then if I'm going to share that wind hold, I'd say, you know, rather than saying it's 45 degrees or, you know, it's a 130 wind or a 1030 wind, whatever, I convert what that would be to a full value wind. And that way, when you pass it along, because the way wind works, you know, if I say, okay, you know, it's 24 miles an hour, but this is 75% of that, um, that's too much calculation. But if you, if you just say, um, you know, hold for whatever, 12 miles an hour, the person should be able to hold for 12 miles an hour and have the same result. And that's the beauty of, of these wind rows and gun number calculations is that they're fast and they're accurate. And once you have an impact on plate, you should be able to tell somebody the full value effect of that bullet on the plate you tell them, okay, it's not 12 miles an hour, it's 7 miles an hour, hold 7. And whatever their gun is, regardless of the caliber and the wind number, 7 miles an hour is 7 miles an hour. That's the beauty and the ground level ability of your shooter number and wind angle up as applied to a target. To me, that's very elementary. It doesn't start with looking at smoke moving and leaves rustling and twigs and branches bending or the mirage angle at the target and saying, well, that to me, that looks like a five to eight mile an hour wind. I think to me, those are fine tuning techniques to judge the gusts and the patterns of the wind. But I've never heard anybody that got very good using those techniques to start with, yet those techniques tend to be the ones that everybody says, okay, well, look at the leaves rustling and note the grass, and that should tell you about what the wind speed's doing. Well, I tell you what, you go from one place to another, and there's different vegetation with different movement patterns, and you're immediately ineffective, right? You think about like the trackers in Africa that can track people or animals with amazing success. Those people admit that you can't do that anywhere else. It has to be on the terrain that they're accustomed to in order to do that. You take them out of their terrain and they're ineffective. 
What we do is we grab our rifles and we expect to go anywhere and shoot. But if you're only tuned in to the specific conditions at your range, you're going to be rendered ineffective or you're going to be looking for cues that aren't right because the wind out here in the grasslands doesn't vibrate the grass until you're about 20 miles an hour to like a, a reasonable level. And so if you say, oh, well, you know, there I can see the grass kind of starting to move. It must be eight miles an hour. You're going to miss by quite a bit. Of course, you'll get feedback if you see your miss and you can make that correction. But if we're talking about first round impacts, I think you want to go with the things that you can collect that are tangible and consistent everywhere, which is you can measure the wind speed, you can measure the wind angle, and you know your gun number. That's pretty good for a first round shot under a lot of conditions. Not so much Unless, you know, you're, you're old. I mean, if, if you're in a tree stand, you know, or some, I mean, some of them look like apartments. If you're in your hunting apartment and you've got a feeder at 300 yards, you can afford to learn all the very subtle nuances of the wind between you and your feeder. And then you're talking about those little shifts, right? Because you can't feel the wind. You can't measure it because you're in a protected little shell, um, so you're, you're going to want to get used to the specific details of your terrain. But if we're talking about going anywhere and shooting anything, I think you need a way to measure the wind. You need a way to measure the wind angle. And then in future levels, when we're talking about shooting smaller and smaller targets, you need a way to start to fine-tune it, and that's where the environmental stuff comes in. But that's advanced. All right, so I just mentioned bigger and smaller targets. And so I'm going to bring up um, something that I think is pretty cool to look at and well worthwhile. It's on the Modern Day Sniper page. And it's, it's a little hard to navigate into there. So I'm going to put a link for that in the show notes. And the link for that is going to be a cartridge comparison article. And I'm going to refer to a table that, that Kalen produced. And the table is sorted by drop at distance. And so I resorted that table just very quickly by wind deflection, right, which is essentially gun number or your wind number. And I sorted that out. So the order from top to bottom now is 223, 308, 65 Creedmoor, 65 BRA, 300 Wind Mag, 6 Creedmoor, 65 PRC, and 300 PRC. I'm sticking to calibers that are short action. And the numbers that are up there are interesting to me because at 500 yards, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's kind of linear through these calibers, right? The least effective is the 223 and the most effective is the 300 PRC. Now, if you know anything about these rifles, you would have predicted that in advance. What I think is really interesting here is that it goes, you know, if, you, if you're saying, well, what's better at deflecting the wind? It just goes down that list. 223, 308 is going to beat 223. 65 Creedmoor is going to beat the 308. 6 BRA is going to beat the 65 Creedmoor. 300 Wind Mag is going to beat the BRA. 6 Creedmoor is going to beat the 300 Wind Mag. 65 PRC is going to beat the 6 Creedmoor and 300 PRC. So when I say beat, what I mean is you've got more of a wind budget. You can hit a target at any distance. With any caliber, right? You could take a 22 rimfire and shoot it at a mile, but it's going to take a lot of shots, and you're really just gambling with lead, right? People have, you know, impacts 
on film and on target. Like, wow, I shot my rimfire at a mile. Totally. But you probably spent you know, thousands and thousands of rounds to get that impact. Because the wind budget is so much that you, know, you probably have a 100-foot deviation in one mile an hour. And, and so we need to think about that. And that's why I think that's a great table and a really good reference. And I'll put the link in the show notes. So I'm going to, first of all, say that we, his table goes um, you know, from 500 to 1,000 yards. And one thing that's fascinating to me there is that the 300 wind mag just ekes out the six Creedmoor at 500 yards, but that flip-flops at 1,000 yards. And I think that's because you know, you've got the, the BC and velocity issue of a smaller bullet losing its momentum, whereas the heavier bullet maintains that. And I would have guessed that you would have seen that with some of these other ones. But according to that calculation and table there, you see it with the 300 Win Mag and the 6 Creedmoor, which basically is saying, you know, they're, they're equivalent, you know, aside from the energy delivered, because there's going to be a huge difference in energy delivered at those distances. But in terms of just hitting a target, they're pretty much equivalent, like a 300 Win Mag and a 6 Creedmoor. But they have different recoil levels, and that's why competitors like the Creedmoor and hunters like the 300 Win Mag. And so depending on your outlet, you know, if you're talking about less recoil, great. If you're talking about more energy, great. Those, that basically answers why you would do it, but you're going to shoot them. They're going to have essentially the same wind holds um, going, out, going out to 1,000. Now, just, just less effective from those is the BRA, but it almost has no felt recoil. And it's pretty darn close to those. And I think that's why a lot of top competitors are shooting things like the BRA, the Dasher, the you know, who knows what. But anyway, what really got me psyched there is I started to think about, uh, you know, Ipsic at 1,000. If you're shooting 1,000 yards, you're tending to shoot a pretty big target. And the Ipsic is 18 inches wide. They're 30 inches tall, but the, the tall factor for, you know, hitting it, that, that's an issue if you don't know the range and you're trying to snap range or... or, or um, use speed drop or something like that, that gives you a little bit more budget. Um, but, but the 18 inches wide to me is very significant because if, if we compare the 223, the 223 at 1,000 yards in a 10-mile-an-hour wind, which is on that table, the bullet drifts over 10 feet, 10.6 feet, right? So you're, you're basically, throw, you know, imagine somebody running and you throw the ball ahead of them. For them to catch it, you have to throw it over 10 feet in front of them before they intersect that thing. So you're trying to throw something that's being curved by the atmosphere and you're leading it or you're, 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 le- you know, you're leaning into the wind 10.6 feet. Whereas with the 300 PRC, you're leaning into it only three feet. So you're talking about three times the budget with the 300 PRC versus the 223. And, and if we're talking about hit probabilities or allowance of of wind um that's a big allowance to say well you know if you suck at reading wind and you need to get a first round impact it makes sense to argue towards those heavier heavier calibers the bigger gun numbers right the 300 prc according to this is a 10 mile an hour gun so you got a 10 mile an hour gun it means at a thousand yards a tenth is one mile an hour and with an 18-inch target, that's 0.5 mils. So you got a half a mil target. That means, you know, um, for the 
for the theoretical Facebook kind of internet arguers, that means you have five mile an hour budget. I don't, I don't agree with that. I'll explain that in a second. But the, the width of that target is five miles an hour. Whereas with the 223, um, you've got 12.72 inches per mile an hour, right? Which, which, which is basically, um, you know, you got three inches on each side and a one mile an hour, you know, you got one point, um, five miles an hour width there of the target. So you're talking about something with um, five miles an hour or a little over one mile an hour budget and in, in only the very best F-class shooters are holding to one mile an hour and we're not F-class shooters and we can't read the wind to one mile an hour. So your odds of hitting that with a two two three are going to be less than 100%. Whereas if you have a five mile an hour wind reading, that's considered... A beginner level, right? A beginner level wind reader could hit an IPSC at a thousand with a 300 PRC. So then you get on the internet, say, well, what can I shoot? I, you know, or wow, I can't believe I hit a thousand yards. So if you want to take a beginner out, take a 300 PRC and probably get a first round impact the very first time they shoot it, if, even if they're calling the wind, right? Because you hold up the Kestrel, even if you get the angle a little bit wrong, um, odds are pretty good that you're going to be able to hit a thousand yards with a 300 PRC, which I think is pretty funny. Now, the caveat to that is that that's assuming that they're shooting a laser beam and you're not shooting a laser beam. And according to the tables before, you know, the expert was a half inch group and then, uh, you know, average shooter was a one inch group and a low level shooter was a one and a half inch group. I, I don't think that's totally true because people aren't shooting that good but let's just say that you have a 300 prc that shoots one inch and you have a 223 that shoots one inch it means like and let's just say you lay down prone and your rifle can shoot an inch great that's kind of a good benchmark if it shoots an inch you got to take 10 inches out of that budget because the variation left and right is going to be built into that so at a thousand yards um an 18-inch target only has 8 inches of wind budget now because 10 of that just got taken up by your ability and your gun's ability and the bullet's ability if we boil it down to 1 inch. So if you lay prone and you can shoot 1 inch, you have to take 10 inches out of that, right? If you take 10 inches out of that, you've removed the 223 from being able to hit that with a 1-mile-an-hour wind call. And you can't call it to one miles an hour. And so basically, nobody could shoot 100 rounds at an IPSC at 1,000 with a 223 and a gun number under 10 and expect it to hit 100% of the time, right? Unless they have the ability to read the wind to less than a mile an hour. Whereas the 300 PRC still has about two and a half to three miles an hour budget. And that's considered a medium level, right? Or a, a PRS, precision rifle, or an NRL level shooter, you know, high, you know, top 20 or 30 level shooter is doing that. So my guess is that you could demonstrate that effectively with a 300 PRC, probably a 6.5 PRC, and still be able to do that on an IPSC. Whereas if you go down that list, you're adding in perfect shots, and still missing the target. And I think that that's a really interesting factor in that 
decision-making tree that you're going to have in terms of what's your outlet and what's the desired result. Um, I think, you know, uh, to be totally honest, I shoot my 6.5 PRC the same as I shoot my 6.5 Creedmoor. And in fact, I shoot my 6.5 Creedmoor most of the time better than I shoot my 6 BRA. The only gun that I can outshoot that with is my 223 gas guns. So whether that's an anomaly or uh, just the fact that I have nice rifles, um, I don't. The the problem that I have with the 6.5 PRC is that it gets very very hot very very fast, and so you start to induce mirage from the barrel, and that makes it hard to see some targets. And if it gets too hot, I've noticed that it, I shoot factory ammo and it blows the primers. But and I haven't seen 6.5 PRC for sale, but I would gladly shoot a 6.5 PRC most of these competitions um, if the round count was low. Uh, whereas the 6.5 Creedmoor, uh, it, it's a lot easier to fight an ammo for, so that's what I've been shooting more than anything lately. But you can see here on this table that the, you know, the advantage goes to the 6.5 PRC, and, and if it didn't get the barrel hot, I would shoot that all the time because I can shoot it really well. Um, I can shoot my 223 better, but the reason I don't at some of these comps is just because the weight and the speed don't allow for a higher a win number. Um, we've, we, it's diverted a little bit, and that tends to be what happens when I have these conversational style things. But what I want you to do is go out and start recording your full value wind. And if you need to take the wind angle, if it's coming in from not a 3 and a 9 o'clock, you're going to convert that using the windrows. And then do the conversion, you know, figure out what your shot is, and then on paper at least, convert that back to what would the full value effect be. So let's say I have a five mile an hour rifle and I'm shooting at 500 yards and it's coming in at 45 degrees. 45 degrees is um, 75% of my five, five mile an hour hold, which would be, you know, basically like three and a half miles an hour or something like that. Um, or, or if it was 10 miles an hour, it would be around, you know, 7.5 or something like that. And then convert it back to a wind as if it was coming from three or nine. That's a really important practice because if you say, well, hold for three miles an hour, but you, your Kestrel says five, the reason you're doing that is because it's coming at an angle. And, and so um, for the first round, the angle is very important. For, for after that, you can convert it to a full value. And when you convert it to a full value, that applies directly to your gun number. And I think that that will raise your understanding and change your perspective. I think it might sound complicated, but look at that Windrose and look at the table on the Modern Day Sniper website and mess around with it, keeping in mind that you really only have that first shot to make a good wind call because after that, the bullet's going to tell you what the effective wind speed is. And then it's just conversion time. But don't count those future shots as wind calling readings in terms of your ability because you kind of already know if it's, you know, if it's effective 3-mile-an-hour wind or if it's an effective 12-mile-an-hour wind and it's not changing angles or directions, um, you're, you're kind of just doing that mindless monkey activity. Whereas when it changes 
or you stop or you change the angle that you're shooting into, into the wind, now you can make an, another initial assessment and record those over time and your ability will come down. Um, I, I promise. Anyway, if you like this, subscribe and share. I need people sharing this to their friends and saying that it's helping them. Of course, it would be nice if you had proof that, that you're starting to apply this stuff and it's working on improving your shooting, your first round impacts, your hunting goals, your, your whatever your assessments are. And then go to Riflecraft and record your target. Shooting at paper at 100 is the key to achieving almost all of your goals in shooting. Recording that, great. I think that's um, really good process, but it also shows you how you're improving. And if you're not improving, you're not doing something right, right? There should not be plateaus. And I believe that a hundred percent. If you plateau, you're training the wrong thing and it's easy to get trapped into, well, I'm going to do the same thing harder. That's not a good way to get where you're going. The good way is to say, I'm plateauing. I'm training the wrong things. Let's reassess the approach. Let's look at our metrics again. And the way that you record those metrics is go on Riflecraft and record it. There's a note section where you can write down your wind stuff. There's the targets where you can control the wind, I mean, the, your, your, your group size. So as your craft number comes down, you're giving yourself more budget on the things that you're shooting at. And it's free. So why reinvent the wheel? Just record it. Go. If you want to support and have added features and tips and advice and analytics that'll help you diagnose where your actual specific issues are in your fundamentals, then subscribe for what would essentially be, you know, buying me a couple beers or coffee a month, which is, you know, probably most of us would do that for each other without even thinking about it. So if you want to help that, subscribe. But you don't have to. And that'll help push this forward. I'm going to take a break for a couple days and go shoot a match in California. But when I'm back, hopefully I'll have a talk with John Pinch about a specific win scenario that I watched him perform at an amazingly high level. And so I want you to hear it from his mouth. But between now and then, go to the Sniper's Hide, check out that Windrow stuff, go to Modern Day Sniper and look at the, the wind table because I'm going to refer to that in another, in the medium level wind talk. And... If you don't like this, thanks for listening anyway.